I'm ready to sing. <laughs> the sun will come <laughs> out tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll edit that out of there. There's a bunch of drunken sailors in here. <laughs> Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. Welcome to episode six of Terminal Exchange. I want to personally thank all of you for taking time to listen to this podcast. We've put a lot of time and effort into this, so it really means a lot to have people listening and enjoying the show. I've really appreciated all the positive feedback that we've received so far. And uh, speaking of positive feedback and enjoying Terminal Exchange, if you like what we're doing here, I'm going to ask you to take a moment to leave a rating or a review in iTunes and let us know what you love about this podcast. It's Super Bowl week, and teams, fans, and entertainers alike are prepping for the big game in Atlanta. It will absolutely be the biggest spectacle in sports, and as Tom Brady makes his record ninth Super Bowl appearance, eyes across the world will be watching to see the action unfold on the field, both during the game and, of course, at halftime. Regardless of which team you're rooting for or against, or if you're just waiting to see if Doritos or Coca-Cola comes through with another viral commercial, there will be a lot of celebrating going on this Sunday. Unfortunately, the large crowds and vast numbers of people traveling away from home do provide vulnerable targets for thieves and other criminals looking to take advantage of these travelers. There's focused attention on the spectacle, uh, increased alcohol consumption, and a sensory-rich environment that really make an ideal playground for these criminals. Now, the Super Bowl may or may not be the single largest sex trafficking event in the U.S., but it certainly does attract traffickers. Traffickers take their victims where they can make a buck, and the Super Bowl environment checks all the right money-making boxes. And it's not just at the Super Bowl. It happens throughout the country, uh, definitely at truck stops and and other locations as well. So uh, that's why Newsbomb is a sponsor of Truckers Against Trafficking. Truckers Against Trafficking, or TAT, is a 501c3 that exists to educate, equip, empower, and mobilize members of the trucking and busing industries to combat human trafficking. Around the world, it's estimated that there are over 40 million slaves today, and uh, human trafficking has been reported in all 50 states. Uh, The number of victims in the United States is estimated in the hundreds of thousands. That's just a a crazy number to think about. And, And even though it is illegal, human trafficking is a booming business. A large percentage of the people trafficked are women and children, and uh, many of them are used in the sex industry. They are prostituted people on the street and in private homes and in legitimate businesses such as restaurants, truck stops, and motels. They need to be identified and they need to be recovered. Now, this is where you come in. Truckers Against Trafficking recognizes that members of the trucking and busing industries are invaluable in the fight against this heinous crime. As the eyes and ears of our nation's highways, you are in a unique position to make a difference and close loopholes to traffickers who seek to exploit our transportation system for their personal gain. This Super Bowl weekend and throughout the year, be aware of possible trafficking that's happening around you. Know what you should do when you see trafficking. All Newsbomb drivers should have a TAT wallet card with the do's and don'ts and phone numbers. 
You can find out more about TAT on truckersagainsttrafficking.org. And we'll put a link up on our podcast page that will take you straight to some useful informational materials. Enjoy the big game. And if you're traveling the Atlanta area this week, be especially aware of your surroundings. Thank you, drivers, for being the eyes and ears of our nation's highways. In this week's feature exchange, I'm talking with Newsbomb veterans Gary and Avis Atkins. I don't think there's a single Newsbomb employee that doesn't know who Gary is. Every driver has almost certainly spoken with Gary at some point or another, and uh, actually even probably had him as a driver manager. He is without a doubt one of the biggest personalities in the office, and we all love him, either for it or in spite of it. But then there's Gary's lovely wife, Avis. Avis works part-time in our accounting department. She sorts out all of our incoming driver paperwork, so if you've ever been late turning in load paperwork, you've probably received one of those oh-so-mean text messages or phone calls from Avis. Now, I kid about that because if you know Avis at all, I, I don't think she has a mean bone in her body. She is one of the sweetest and most accommodating ladies you could ever have the pleasure of working with. Just make sure you get your paperwork turned in on time. But honestly, these two couldn't be much more opposite from each other, but they are without a doubt a perfect pairing. I hope you can take away some of the wisdom they share in this exchange, and whether it be on work ethic, marriage and relationships, or financial planning, they offer a wealth of experience, and we could have easily talked for hours. But I invite you to settle in for the next 50 minutes. You may even want to take some notes. Now, when you're done listening, go to our New Spawn Facebook page, and post your favorite Gary and Avis nugget or story. We'd love to hear how Gary and Avis have impacted your life. Well, Gary, Avis, thank you so much for uh, sitting with me here. and uh, Thank you. Glad to have you guys here. Yes. Gary, I want to start by congratulating you uh, on a milestone that you have recently achieved of 40 years here at Newsbomb. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. And... Avis, you as well have had 15 years. That is correct. Uh, as well. So it's a bit of time between the two of you here. Tell me a little bit, Gary, on that idea. 40 years with uh, one company is kind of unheard of uh, anymore, especially uh, with younger generation uh, people hopping from one job to the next, using each one as a stepping stone to the next thing. Uh, tell me a little bit about that sort of commitment and uh, endurance to stay with one company for 40 years. Okay. Well, first of all, I, I shared with at a little party we had here Friday for the, my anniversary that of all the things that your parents are supposed to teach you when you're younger, I can only remember one. And that one was if you work hard for the people that you work for, you will always have a job. And so that's kind of stuck with me. And it was more of a generational thing from my parents and my grandparents' time. Um, but the thing that uh, is unique about being here at Newsbomb is that that's a two-way street. The employer has got to be faithful to the employee, too. And that's something that uh, Newsbomb has been very faithful to me. There's a lot of people that worked at Mitsubishi or Eureka Williams or other places in town that they were faithful to their company. Uh, but the company and the stockholders decided that they could make more money somewhere else. So I'm very, very fortunate in being able to work here at Newsbomb at a job that I always wanted to be a truck driver, so it made it easy to drive the truck, but you have to have somebody that's going to stick with you, too. 
Now, for those that aren't aware, uh, Gary, you, you started out as a driver here. Correct, correct. I drove for about 23 years here, uh, and then they came to me one day. Phil Breaker was the uh, uh, operating manager at the time and asked me if I wanted to come in the office. I didn't know if they wanted me in the office or wanted me off the road, uh, <laughs> but I took it that uh, I got to be home every night with my wife, and that's something, to me, the hardest part of being on the road was not the traffic, was not the weather, was not the people that you drove around. It was always the being away from home, so it's been, well, however many, 23 and <laughs> add up to 40. Avis, is that the same for you as the hardest part, Gary being away from home, or was it when he came home? It was very difficult, his being away from home. Oh, good. I thought she was going the other way with that. (laughs) I did miss him very much, uh, but it was also difficult when he came home because I had my own routine. I was uh, captain of the ship when Gary was away, so um, as far as drivers' wives are concerned, uh, it's a unique uh, opportunity for challenges. Mm-hmm. And uh, we probably had all those challenges just as all the other wives do. But um, I thought it went perfect, by the way. But <laughs> well, Can you recall any uh, instance where it was especially challenging with Gary being away? Did you ever have anything blow up on you uh, while he's 100 miles away, whatever? I can't remember the details. Something broke. Something would inevitably break while he was gone. And, of course, I would call him. And he would say, well, what do you want me to do about it? (laughs) I'm miles and miles away, which had not occurred to me. But I needed to tell somebody. Yeah. You know, and he was my partner and still is. Uh, But... In the interim, we did get a plan together where he worked it out with my brother. If something broke in the future, we had it worked out that I could call my brother, and Gary and my brother would talk, and my brother would help me out, get me all straightened out, whether it was getting lights back on or water. Yeah, whenever she would call, of course, uh, being a man, I, I took it that I was getting blamed for whatever was broke breaking. And in reality, women have this unique ability to need to share things. And all she was wanting to do was to share what was going on. I took it as I was being blamed for what was wrong. So it took a little bit of learning on my part to go, okay, she's just sharing. I don't need to fix this, you know, because I'm thinking I got to call home and find somebody to fix this thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's part of being married that uh, men seem to learn the hard way, or at least this one did. You always have that fear of when that call comes in that, you know, I think you even said this, you know, what's wrong now? Yeah. You know, the, the, the idea of you know, why is she calling? What's, what's, what's broke? What do I need to fix now? Yeah. It wasn't, hi, honey, I miss you. It's the water heater is leaking all over the basement. <laughs> but <clears throat> it was different back in our day in that there were no cell phones. Mm-hmm. And so the only time that I got to speak with, with him is when he called me from either the motel phone or a payphone. Mm-hmm. So it was... What's a, that? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she couldn't contact me. Uh, Gary, do you have any uh, uh, memories, stories from the road that uh, stick out to you? What was 
trucking uh, like for you back in the day? Well, it was a lot different. Uh, like I said, I'd always wanted to be a truck driver, and I wasn't. I got out of high school and worked at a couple factories and and uh, worked at Bridgestone Firestone here in Normal, and they had a big strike one year. And, and uh, during that time, a friend of mine said, well, how about if I just get another truck and you can just drive for me, which I thought was wonderful. So I got to drive for him for a couple years, used to drive by the old terminal all the time. And I used to tell myself, why in the world would anybody work for that outfit? Because they had the oldest, you know, most wore out looking equipment that you could possibly imagine. And then I found out how much these guys were getting paid <laughs> and what kind of benefits they had. And so I applied there and, and got a job there. But yeah, it uh, uh, there was a lot of older stuff. Uh, um, there was no power steering. There was no air conditioning in the trucks. You had two wing windows that you turned yeah. in on yourself. Uh, you could see a lot of a lot of the trucks. You could see the ground through the floorboard of the truck. Uh, That's they fun. were they were that old, <laughs> and no air ride seats, just an old spring seat in the truck. So it was challenging. It was challenging to drive these old things. I probably one of the scariest moments I ever had was I was driving west um, out of um, out of Bartonville one night and. Um, uh, it had just snowed a bunch, and uh, a couple trucks came at me from the other direction. You know how they carry lots of snow on the roof of their trailer. Mm-hmm. Sure. And a big hunk of snow came off and hit me dead center in the windshield, and it shattered the windshield and just sprayed glass all over the inside oh, no. of the truck. And just as he did it, I passed a state police officer that was sitting on the side of the road. So I pulled over and, you know, kind of shuck my shirt out a little bit, and he pulled up behind me. And I walked back to his car. I said, did you see that? And he goes, no, I just wondered why you stopped. And I said, well, I just got my windshield shattered. And so I went about, he followed me for about three miles to a little restaurant. And I sat there for about five hours until a window guy came. And I showered glass out of my hair that night. And But other than that, I've been very fortunate and haven't been involved in a bunch of big accidents and, you know, have been very safe and uh, have enjoyed uh, a blessed driving career here. One of the equipment upgrades that I appreciated the most as a wife is Gary mentioned that there was no air conditioning. Mm -hmm. And when he would be working in excess, you know, 10, 16 hours a day on the road in extremely hot, humid weather with only a vent to cool him down, he would come home not a very pleasant person. I don't remember this part at all, yeah. by the way. <laughs> but he was a different person after he got a truck with air conditioning. Literally a different person. Much less stressful by the time he got home. But you were talking about um, the number of years seniority. You know, when you worked, there were so many... Yeah, I worked probably, it was probably 21 years before I actually got a new truck here at Newsbomb. Uh, the, the trucks were just passed out differently back then. They, yeah. they got new trucks all the time, um, but uh, always the top seniority guys would get the trucks. Yeah. And I had, at 15 years here, I was two guys from the bottom of a seniority list of about 120 drivers because nobody ever quit. They just all stayed. And it was probably about 21 years or something like that when I finally got a new one. But at, I don't know, 12 or 15 years in, something like that, I got what was called a kit truck. And they would have a new cab and a new frame, and they would put the old rear end and transmission and motor in that. And that's when I got something, a cab that had air conditioning in it. And it does make a difference. <laughs> it does make a difference. <laughs> my, my attitude would be a little different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. Very much. 
Avis, did you ever get to ride with Gary? Not in a Nussbaum truck. When he had, when he worked for the other gentleman, when he very first began, yes, I did. Okay, I'm going to correct that statement. <laughs> because once I got over the road, uh, and I would, I had a kind of a dedicated run that went into Kentucky and Tennessee every week. Uh, she got to go with me, and there was some. I stand corrected. Yeah, there was some. <laughs> there was some. Uh, there was some wiggle time on these runs that would go south. And I remember the first time she went with me, we didn't stop anywhere, but she saw all these outlet malls on the way to Nashville. <laughs> and so the second time she went with me, we made some stops at some outlet malls so she could shop on the way down there. So my productivity wasn't quite as good on those runs uh-huh. as some of the others. But yeah, it was nice. It was nice to have her to, to go along. You know, it, it it made the trips a lot shorter when there's somebody in the truck with you that you can talk and share with. Some of the guys that do that at work now, they, um, they don't go anywhere without taking their co-pilot and their navigator and their chief cook and bottle washer with them. So it makes it kind of nice when that can happen. <laughs> well, there's not much bottle washing. It's more paper cups now. How long have you guys been together? This morning, you mean? or How long have you guys been married? <laughs> well, we're working on 48 years. 48. Mm-hmm. How did you guys actually meet? You tell the story. Oh, you tell it. You tell oh, so it. You're, not, you're gonna fight over this. I'm gonna fight over it. Um, There's always two sides well, to this. Well, Avis so. and I probably lived two miles apart from each other most of our life. Didn't know that. We went to the same junior high and high school together. Didn't know each other at all. Uh, I graduated from high school in 1970. She was um, in between her junior and senior year uh, that summer, and uh, we had been out riding motorcycles. I ran around with a group of guys, probably 20 of us that had motorcycles, little dirt bikes and street bikes and just, you know, whatever you could get on two wheels. And one of the guys had thrown a chain on his motorcycle. So we all pulled over in front of the old Eureka plant here in Bloomington, and we're all sitting on the curb, and Avis and her girlfriend pulled up in a car. And I guess her girlfriend knew some of the people that were there. I don't know that you knew anybody, did you? That was there yeah, in that I knew group. Her friends. No, okay. And I so just anyway, didn't know you. she had I, friends too. Yes, yeah, she had friends too. Uh, I had uh, I had my cousin on the back of my bike, Dave, and uh, so we're sitting there and waiting. And these girls come up and they're talking a little bit, and I'm checking these two girls out, you know. And believe it or not, I was really, really a shy guy. I didn't date at all at school. Didn't talk to any girls when I was in high what school. Changed. I she changed me, <laughs> turned me into a monster. And so anyway, they're standing there for a while, and they decide that they want to go riding on the motorcycles. And so I speak up and say, well, one of you can ride with me. Even though I already already had had a passenger, (laughs) I turned and looked at Dave and told him he's going to have to find himself another ride. And so uh, Avis went riding with me, and we rode for, I don't know, a couple hours that evening with the group like that. And then my motorcycle started acting up, and I said, well, I'm going to have to put this bike away. And she thought, okay, he's dumping me now. And in reality, (laughs) we got in the car, and I took her home, and... And I guess they say the rest is history. I, she, was, she was the first girl I ever dated. She says she'll be the last girl I'll ever date, and she's <laughs> kind of holding me to that so far. But uh, Now, Avis, did you, how soon did you know with Gary that this could actually be something? When the car pulled up, when she pulled up and saw us there, I would think she knew right away. How soon did I know? That is a very good question. I mean, what, it wasn't on that ride, was it? 
with him. No. Oh, no. But she he would, was. I thought she loved me on that ride, though. I really did. I thought this girl is so into me because she squeezed me so hard with her arms around me on that motorcycle. I'd never been around another girl, and oh, <laughs> this girl loves me. I had never ridden a motorcycle before. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And yeah, there's the truth. That's what she says now, but. But he was safe, and he was a really nice guy compared to the other young gentleman that I had dated, and he was very nice. And so my mom really decided for me. Oh. Yeah, I, her mom liked me before she liked me. Interesting. That's, that's, that's quite true. Did you, what were you doing, bringing cookies over to the house or what? No, I was just there. I was just there. She'd cook me steaks. No, it, was, <laughs> it was just wonderful. I didn't realize I was being bought, but it was, it was, it was pretty nice. But he's worth it. Well, tell me a little bit about kind of keeping up the relationship, um, you know, loving each other for 48 years as you have. What does it take to uh, make that relationship endure? Humor plays a big role. A lot of times we can look at each other, even in a very tense situation, and make a joke out of it. Well, I, I, I tell people that uh, when you talk, when did you know that he was the one or when did you know that she was the one, um, I could probably honestly say that probably would have been two or three years into our marriage hmm. because I can honestly tell you that I did not love Avis when I married her. I was infatuated with Avis. She was the greatest thing since, you know, buttered toast. I, I, this girl just was the world to me, but I had no idea what love was. It was just the fact that she was a girl, hmm. you know, and that she wanted to be with me. Uh, and so it wasn't until a few years into our marriage that I realized, you know what, I maybe I might have a hint of what love is here. I don't want to be without her. I want to be around her all the time. I want to protect her. I want to take care of her. You know, I, we are friends, you know. Now, saying that and throwing 48 years on top of that, you can, we are not clones. You know, I do things that she doesn't like. She do things, does things that I don't like. But we still love each other and we make that work, you know. But I have to admit... <clears throat> He treats me like a princess, <laughs> and I fit that role really well. <laughs> well. Tell me about that. What does he do to make you feel like a princess? He gives in. Whatever I want. Whatever I want. He makes me, he, he makes me feel like I am... Well, one of the things that, that I've had to learn is that... From the generation that I came from, and I guess I'm a holdover from the generation before me, that I I have a job in a marriage, and my job is to provide for her, to provide for her, to provide my daughter. That's the number one job. I didn't know there was a number two job. (laughs) I didn't know that I was supposed to hold her hand and sit beside her and put my arm around her and get the door for her. You know, now some of that, the stuff like getting the door and things like that, that you're supposed to do for a woman, yes. But I didn't realize how much little things that I did were great big things for her. You know, it's, it's just a lifetime of doing things wrong and going, well, she, she's upset. What did I do? <laughs> you know, and it's just paying attention to little things. Even here at work, I can make all kinds of brownie points by just walking past her desk and brushing my hand across her back as I walk by. 
I've acknowledged her. I've uh, valued her in her mind of all those things. And it was just a simple touch. I thought, you know, I need to buy her a new car. If I get her a new car and a new washing machine and a new vacuum cleaner and all the tools that she needs to be a wife and a mother, wow, I'm the king. And that, <laughs> somebody should have told me earlier, I could have saved so much money <laughs> and had so many more motorcycles than what I've had. <laughs> now, I did appreciate the washing machine and <laughs> I did appreciate those but T tell me you didn't give that to her as a Christmas present though oh I have I'm sure given her a, <clears throat> a vacuum cleaner or something but we've also got to the point in our relationship that if we want something uh, you know working someplace so long we have our home paid off and our cars are paid off and things like that so if she wants something she pretty well you know will go get it it's just a tool that she needs to you know uh, take care of business but he does value my opinion, um, sometimes more than others. <laughs> but he is a, he's a sweet, honorable person, and he makes it a lot easier, especially when I see other husbands. <laughs> Gary <laughs> rises to the top when I see other gentlemen. Well, and it's, it's amazing, too, that God put the two of us together and we are not the same. We are almost exact opposites. Uh, it, thank God that uh, God put Avis in my life financially because she is, she is very, very, how do I say this? <laughs> she is very, very good with money. Mm -hmm. uh, we're within maybe a couple of years of retiring. You know, we don't know for sure yet what we're going to do. Um, but we're in a position, Avis has put us in a position that we can do that. You know, we can live a comfortable life and maybe go on some vacations and things of that sort, all because of her expertise with money. Now, Having, having me given her those brownie points, that has not been easy for Gary. Mm -hmm. Because Avis yeah. says no when Gary wants something. And because of that, you know, now looking back now, you know, we have money saved and, and, and can uh, retire uh, whenever that time does show up uh, and live that way comfortably. So I thank her for that. From a practical standpoint, uh, as you are nearing retirement, uh, but we talk about finances. I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't say nearing end of life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm much more kind than that, Gary. <laughs> I hope, anyway. But as, as, as you are knocking on that door here at some point, whenever that may be, uh, you have prepared uh, financially. Um, you've got things put in place. Avis, can you kind of practically go back and talk about how you worked on setting yourselves up to this point. <clears throat> I remember some of the James Dobson films that we saw uh -huh. at church. And um, our home was actually paid for probably 10 years into when we got the loan. And it was God-given wisdom through James Dobson that we were able to do that. Um, so that's one thing. I recommend Roth to yeah. everybody. Remember the Roth programs. Um, well, now, I, I know uh, when we have um, the guys from Merrill Lynch or whoever to come in here and talk with us, I know just from the questions that you ask and the fact that they reference you guys so familiarly, mm -hmm. uh, I know you, you do work with them as well. So you are seeking um, counsel and, and advice on investments and, and, and such. Am I mm -hmm. correct there? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, um, you know, one of the things about, uh, about thinking about retiring is I always thought, well, just save as much as you can, and then when you retire, don't spend it too fast before you die. So you got enough to get to the end. And in reality, when you retire, that money should actually keep on growing. And you'll have more money when you die than you had the day you retire if things work out the way they're supposed to. But when when we first got married and and we bought our first home, our first home cost us $6,300. The payments were $63 a month, and I had no idea how I was going to pay for this thing because I was making about $89 a week. And uh, we, we paid for that home and sold it, bought another one. And we've been in the home that we're in now about 44 years, something like that. Uh, and, um, but it, it, it just having, when you're young like that, you've got kids to raise, you've got bills to pay, you don't think about saving for retirement. But it's so easy if you would put it into your mindset to save just a little bit Every week. Now, we're at the point now where Avis doesn't even take a paycheck home. Hers just all goes into a 401k. I mean, here at Newsbomb, they provide such a wonderful program uh, for a 401k and matching funds uh, that they put in in the beginning of it and stuff. They make it easy to do that. And if you just don't think about that money, when it comes time to retire, you got yourself a nice little nest egg that... You didn't really work that hard to get, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's kind of kind of the way it's been with us. Although we started a little late because we probably didn't start a four hundred one k until you came to work at Newsbomb, right? So we've gotten ourselves into the position that we're in in fifteen years. So it can be done, but I mean, she went overboard with hers and just putting her whole <laughs> paycheck in there. Um, and uh, so but you're that, able that to comfortably live off of yep. what you've got coming in yep. otherwise, right? Right. And I, uh, I mean, I'm at like 35% of my paycheck goes into that. So we're li- literally living off of, you know, 65% of my pay is, is how we're living. But, I mean, we have gentlemen here that will come to work for Newsbomb that have struggled throughout life and have themselves in a tough position, you know, and it takes a little while to dig yourself out of that. But if you stick with it and can find a little bit of money uh, to stick in a 401k, it, it really, it'll pay off in the end, I guess. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that any financial advisor in that role would, would tell you is just simply to start. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter the amount, just start contributing something. And, and it's, it's so easy when they take it out before you get your hands on it. It makes it easy to do. If I had to take $10 every week and write a check for a savings account, there'd be weeks that wouldn't happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And eventually it would just price stop. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, then it becomes hard to live without that. Very now that true. you've gotten used to having that. Yep. So, um, Avis, different subject here. I want to kind of talk about you just a little bit um, and some of your personal interests and, and hobbies. Uh, we know, I think everybody knows Gary's into the, the motorcycles and, and all that, but um, you're into kind of a horse of a different kind. Yes. Had my first pony was when I was in kindergarten. My little kindergarten. Did you have to ride to school back then? I mean, was it that long ago? No, but I did oh. ride my horse to school <laughs> in high school one time. Uh, <laughs> I did. Um, was that out of necessity or just for fun? Fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just for fun. I would like to ride my horse into, you know, a saloon sometime, but 
that probably won't happen, and I'll be fine with that. <laughs> Put that on your bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, but I came across um, cutting horses while Gary was working here. Um, I am a past Palomino world champion. Cutting horse exhibitor. I have no idea what that means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle about that big and a trophy and <laughs> about the size of your head. Yeah. <laughs> Palomino is um, a color of the horse, is okay. also a breed. Yeah. But um, you can have a quarter horse that is a Palomino color. Um, this was a specific division within cutting. But I also have um, NCHA, which is National Cutting Horse Association trophies and belt buckles all over the house i have accomplished nothing that speaks at that house although i think i have a target um, in the garage where i did well one evening but yeah she's done very very well in that um i did show in minnesota michigan ohio indiana iowa kentucky oklahoma texas wisconsin missouri arkansas have I forgotten? The entire Midwest yeah. we traveled to. Yeah. And typically it would be I would get the horse ready, truck and trailer ready, but then Gary would get off of work on a Friday mm-hmm. late. My competition would be Saturday morning early in another state. So you can, <laughs> you can connect the dots. Uh-huh. And um, Gary and I would jump in the truck. Gary had driven all day already, put in many, many hours under his belt. Hey, the DOT could be listening. Moving <laughs> 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 on. And we would drive to another state. I would sleep in the truck on the way there, jump out of the truck, compete, jump back in the truck, go to the motel that evening, get up early, go back and compete. After finishing competing, a lot of times it'd be dark. Yeah. Sometimes their class would be late in the afternoons. Or evening. Yeah. Um, drive home in the middle of the dark, get home 2 in the morning, Gary get up, go back to work for Newsbomb, and you know, a lot of, <laughs> lot of trips like that. I'm not confirming or denying any that this took place. <laughs> I won't. I will not pry any further than that. But. but it was fun, and we got to meet a lot of nice people. Um, a lot of the this this horse competition that she was a part of is really big in Texas and Oklahoma, and so that's kind of the the mecca of, of the cutting horse industry. And we would go down there to big competitions. In the she uh, she uh, showed in some national events down there, uh, and we had her own truck and trailer. She had to board the horse somewhere. Uh, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It would be me and Radar, our dog. We would be you know wandering around trying to find something to do, and she'd have to uh, get her horse ready. And it took a long time just to get a horse ready to show. Uh, you had to uh, had to uh, work these horses down, so you'd lost a little bit of energy from the horse, and so it would pay attention. And she was really good at it. Very good horse person. So. Uh, because I'm not even super familiar now. I've done a little research since you've kind of told me what you do, but uh, what, what is cutting? What, what's that actually look like? What's that event? And- it's uh, more of a Western event. It began during the um, Roundup era with the um, cowboys working the cattle. They would have to doctor cattle, brand cattle, and separate cattle and mama cows and calves 
eventually began to be where one cowboy would come up to another cowboy and say, my horse is better than your horse. And, of course, the other cowboy would say... Men have been doing that it. since the dawn of time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it evolved into an event to where you have a large group of cattle in a pen. The uh, competitor would ride his horse into the group of cattle, drive a smaller group of cattle out from the larger group of cattle to the center of the arena, and those cattle would start to filter away and go back to their herd, leaving one individual... Confused and dazed. <laughs> Surprised. Surprised a lot. Typically, yes. because they are herd animals. Yeah. And the calf would want to get back to his buddies, and this horse has been trained... The young horses, the futurity horses, had been trained for three years. So the horse would, on his own, with very little assistance, no assistance of a rider's hand or the reins, but only maybe a position the way he is sitting in his saddle um, of dropping his seat to make a good, clean stop, helping the horse and staying above the horse and not flopping all over <laughs> and in the saddle. Um, but keeping this calf from returning to the herd uh, for two and a half minutes, um, typically in that two and a half minutes, you would work two and a half cattle. Um, but you don't have to work two and a half cattle. And so then you, you uh, accrue points starting at 70. You lose, if you lose points, you'll go down to 60. If you gain points, you can go up to 80. Hmm. I did get an 80 one time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, is a, it is some of the most athletic stuff you've ever seen. How the horse can do what it does and how the rider can stay on this horse when it's doing that is just astounding. But uh, the horse will mirror the cow and do everything it can not to let that cow back. And once the, ho the cow either stops totally still or turns away from the rider on the horse completely, then he can pick the reins up, get off that cow, and go back and get another one. And it's, it's pretty exciting. I challenge any of the drivers when you're just sitting still sometime uh, to go onto YouTube and look up nchacutting.com, and you can look at some of the competitions. It's pretty cool. These horses are athletes. I mean, huge athletes. Yeah. Brian Cannon would disagree with that, but <laughs> I, wrong. I, I agree with you. <laughs> Yeah. And and I did mention I got an 80. It was not a legitimate 80. It was, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did win the class, and I was the last person in that class, and I was a rookie that year besides. Uh -huh. And Yeah. Yeah, you for the, for the club that you were a part of, you won Rookie of the Year, too, was another one of the awards you got. So, yeah. So now do you currently still own any horses at this point? I do not. I just have Gary at this point. <laughs> to put a saddle on and ride. <laughs> no, I, well, and fortunately for both of us, it was um, uh, it was at a time in our lives and at a time in the industry where it was halfway affordable to do. Fuel prices were much uh, less. Yeah, yeah. Somebody at a gas station when we filled up here in town one time, uh, we filled up our dually, which had an auxiliary fuel tank in the uh -huh. back, mm -hmm. and it, we spent $100. It was just amazing that we'd spend that much money. But, <laughs> but the kid in the, in the gas station was just in awe. Oh, 
man, a hundred dollars. How can you afford to drive that vehicle? You know, and it, that boy to do that today. With, yeah. yeah, I can't but even imagine. We could drive from here to Texas on a pickup truck and never have to buy fuel. So yeah, at that point. At that time. Yeah. Too fun. Too fun. Yeah. Many years of fun. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit uh, about just the idea of of showing up, showing up to work, uh, showing up at home. Uh, what kind of mindset, mentality, work ethic does that require? Um, I don't know. I shared in the very beginning about uh, what my parents had uh, taught me about showing up uh, in a uh, in a work uh, relationship. Um, in in a marriage relationship, uh, there was something about. Um, Avis came from a family where her father had been married before and had another family. Um, I came from a family where um, my my mom had been married before, and so my dad was my stepdad. And there had been a lot of relationships around our family where people had gotten divorced, and we had kind of made a <laughs> unrealized pact in the very beginning of. Okay, it doesn't matter what our relationship is like and what is going wrong. Divorce is not an option. That's off the table. We can be mad. You can throw things if you want. I'll do my best to duck them. Um, and, uh, but, but the relationship is going to stick. This is a lifetime thing. And it's kind of a, uh, something that we put together. I think even before we became Christians that divorce is not an option. We are together till death do us part. I was nervous the first full year for a few years about that <laughs> commitment that I made, but it is. It's something that uh, we're partners. You know, we're like I said uh, before, we're not clones, but we're best friends. Uh, she knows the things that I excel and that I fail in. I know the things that she excels and that she fails in, and we're supposed to be here to support each other. And uh, that's that's why the marriage has lasted. By the grace of God, He put us together for a reason, and He's kept us together for a reason. Uh, I think the same thing is true about the place I work. I, I am here by the grace of God. I am here with the with the dedication that I think everyone should have. I'm, I'm not so sure everyone has been taught the same work ethic that uh, that I have been instilled with. I know that there's a difference between the the type of truck driver that I grew up with and worked with for 23 years uh, that there are now because truck drivers are so in demand that it seems like there's in some cases, not all cases, but in some cases there's a real lack of loyalty that the first little thing that goes wrong They've moved on to another company because there are other companies that'll take them, and I think that's such a shame because of the caliber of company that we have here. That we have the ability to take care of our people. Now, that being said, I used to my my wife. She used to really get on me because I used to say any idiot can be a truck driver, you know. And she listened to that for fifteen or twenty years before she finally told me, Gary, you got to stop saying that because not every idiot can be a truck driver. It takes a special kind of an idiot to be a <laughs> truck driver. <laughs> and I go, okay, that's I, not exactly. <laughs> well, she's changing your words. That's, yes, that's that's what I heard anyway. 
But, but it is. It's a hard job, and it's not a job that everybody can do. Uh, not only handling a big piece of equipment going down the road safely, but to be able to find places that you've never been to before. You've got to be your own GPS system. Um, but to be able to, to keep a family together, it takes a strong woman to be a wife of a truck driver. If not every idiot can be a truck driver, not every idiot can be a truck driver's wife either because they are a special breed that can handle the kids, that can handle the car and the house and when things go wrong. And then to handle him when he comes home. Because I, a truck driver, when he comes home, in a lot of cases, is an invader. You know, they have things working just the way they want it, and he comes home and everybody's on tiptoes now until dad leaves again and heads back on the road. So, And yeah. I admit, I had my own special way and on a day and plan and, you know, how things would be run. And and it, did, it was an interruption in my plans, you know, in my way of doing everything. So growing through that, we were able to do that mm-hmm. too. Um, but looking at the other person through their eyes, you know, is something that we probably learned in trying to, f- you know, how would that person look at this situation? And again, humor, I can't stress, laugh at yourself. You know, don't take it so seriously. Whatever it is, that day's going to pass, a new day's going to come, the sun's coming up, and it's going to be a better day than you had the day before. I'm ready to sing. <laughs> the sun will come out tomorrow. 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 <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll edit that out of there. There's a bunch of drunken sailors in here. <laughs> oh, funny. I think you guys were telling me a story once upon a time about uh, uh, making it into work, showing up when it was kind of impossible to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you had a little help there. And, and yes, like yes. Um, back when it really snowed, unlike it does now, although we just got through a, uh, a big snow here, um, getting to work was always front and center in my mind. If anybody could get to work, I could get to work. Well, there was a snowstorm. It had to have been in the 80s or the 90s. I don't remember when it was now, but I we were really snowed in. There was no getting out. And I was working in the office at the time. Uh, and uh, I got a phone call from Brent Newsbaum. And he says, are you coming to work? And I go, <laughs> and he asked it in a way like he was surprised that I wasn't already here. <laughs> and I go, well, yeah, I would come to work, Brent, but I literally cannot get out. I can get out my drive because my drive is going to be the first one plowed and down the street to the highway. But once I get to the highway, the state is down there. They have a road grader stuck and another truck stuck. And he says, well, 51 is clear. If I come out and pick you up, will you come to work? And I go, well, yeah, I guess. And he said, I'll be there in about 20 minutes. And so he came out, and I put coveralls on, and it literally trudged through waist-deep snow. I had to roll through some of the drifts because I couldn't stand up in them. And he picked me up and brought me to work. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, he took me home, and they had all the plows and stuff out, and so we could get back home that way. But, yeah, it uh, there are days when you wonder. And then there was another time here when we were both working here, and it was – 
like on a Tuesday or something like that. And it's supposed to be a big snowstorm on Wednesday. And they're wanting to know if people would be willing to stay at work if they put us all up in a motel. And, of course, they look at Avis and I thinking, well, you guys, yeah, you'll stay, won't you? And I go, well, we've got a dog at home that... You know, we've got to go home and take care of the dog if there was some way that we could bring him to work. And Brent says, well, bring him to work. You know, so <laughs> we brought this little Yorkie to work in a cage, and he sat under my desk most of the day. I had to take him out and walk him a couple, three times, and he went to the motel with us. I literally, it snowed. We got like 14 inches or something, 13, 14 inches that night. And it there snowed was, in the air conditioner. Snowed in the room. air conditioner onto the floor. But I would take him out in the middle of the night, two or three in the morning, to one of the exit doors, and you could had to push the exit door open because of the snow, and I'd just drop him in the snow. And I'd leave him there till I saw a yellow spot, and then I'd pick him back up and take him back to our room. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's, you, have to, <laughs> you have to be a little crazy, I think, to come to work on days like that. But you've got a fleet of you trucks that aren't up. in the snow. Yeah, exactly. You show up. Do your job. And like Gary said, there's drivers out that are depending on Gary to be a dispatcher. Yeah. And they're driving in dry pavement. Yeah. There was five or six of us that stayed. Uh, Kent Wiegand was one. I was trying to remember who the others were that stayed with us. Jim Noy. Jim Noy was one of them that stayed. Yeah. It ended up being fun. <laughs> you know, it was something that you don't do every day. And now you got a story to tell. But yeah, you got you got to show up and you just keep showing up and showing up and showing up and before long you get a cake with the number 40 written on it. <laughs> it was delicious cake. It was. My favorite, white cake and white icing. Yeah. It was perfect. Um, before we wrap up here, um, kind of along with that idea of of showing up but also uh, you mentioned how kind of this newer generation of drivers it's with being in such high demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, across the industry that it's kind of easy to jump ship and go over to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you even wrote an article about uh, the grass being greener mm-hmm. uh, on the other side. Talk a little bit, if you would, uh, kind of as an encouragement, uh, maybe um, a challenge to drivers about um, sticking with it, uh, watering your own grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of encouragement would you offer there? Well, I, I had a gentleman one time tell me uh, that uh, he, he had worked for 21 different trucking companies in 20 years. And I was a little concerned at the time about uh, uh, the longevity of my job. And he said, you don't ever have to worry about finding a job as a truck driver. You can always find a job. And I go, but how do you have any security for your family, for your kids, for the college fund, for the house payment, for the car payment, when you're jumping from job to job to job? I said uh, that... Uh, if, if you want to be a truck driver, if that's the vocation you want to have, I would think the best thing for you to do is to find a good company, not a perfect company, but a good company, and stick with them. Not only does it give you security and, uh, and a solid footing, but it helps that company to be secure and have a, a solid footing. Uh, the longer people work for a company, the more financially sound they're going to be because uh, they can show the customers that they're hauling freight for what the average, um, the seniority of the drivers that they have, the people that stick with them, uh, the driving records that they have. All these things make that company look better to their customer base, which just turns right around and makes the company more secure. They can hire more drivers, have better equipment, 
have better runs. All those things, they just feed on each other. It's just like compound interest. It just keeps getting better and better. Uh, And if someday you decide I've had enough of Illinois and I want to move to California or Florida, well, you're moving with 15 or 20 year seniority instead of moving with a two and a three and a one and a six and a four of all these different companies that you've worked for. It pays to work for the same people for a long period of time. It makes your life more secure. It makes the people that you work with. Of course, you get to work with people that you now know better. It's kind of like a marriage, but uh, you don't have to go home with them. But uh, <laughs> it's, it, it just makes all the things that you do in your work vocation, that part of your life, that section of your life, more predictable. Uh, it, it, I, I like the word security. It just makes yeah. things more secure. And Avis, for, for anybody, you know, that's young into the the trucking industry, uh, either getting started out or even thinking about getting started out, uh, that does have a spouse and family at home, what encouragement would you offer to uh, that driver, but maybe more so the spouse, the wife, or maybe in in some cases might be the husband that's actually at home and and the wife is out, but uh, what would you offer up to them? Communication. Communication is key. I don't care if it's communicating with your workforce or communicating with your husband. You don't have to be right. You don't have to be wrong. You have to communicate. Keep the lines open. When you stop talking, you're dead in the water. So communication. We have awesome drivers here at Nussbaum right now. We probably have some of the best drivers we've ever had I do the Transflow paperwork Mm -hmm. for the company, and I have drivers who communicate well with me. It makes my job easier, and they get paid faster. They like being paid faster, (laughs) and I don't blame them. But if they will just communicate, we can get little bleeps or blurps that something, maybe a driver has transposed a number. Maybe I transposed a number. Maybe the telephone dropped the call that was sending the transflow. Um, just any little thing that could cause an error. If, when, if and when the driver calls me, we communicate it through, we find the error. And usually within a very short time, all is good. They're happy, I'm happy. They can go home happy to their wife. Their wife will be happy. And also, wives, if you will help your husband, I do have some drivers that need a little nudge sometimes and forget to send their paperwork in uh, before they leave work. And if they drag that paperwork home with them, wives, be a partner to your driver husband and make sure they get that done at home then because it's on their phone. They can do it through their phone. I've had so many of our old-timey drivers that just thought, you know, that that telephone deal, just not going to work. I, that I'm, you know, computer illiterate, blah, blah, blah. Those same drivers have communicated back with me this is the best it's been. If, if these young drivers only knew the way it used to be, everything had to be handwritten on paper before, mailed in an envelope <laughs> at a post office. And some of their towns did not have a post office. No. It would take two weeks to get their paperwork to me. 
So um, just to let the drivers and the wives know, this is the good old days. <laughs> what we're going through now, it is awesome. We have a wonderful IT group here. And anytime a driver has an IT question, communicate, call in, talk to us. Philip has talked to drivers before and helped them through either with an app or getting a phone, you know, set up, something's happened in a phone, just different things that communicate. That's the, my key word. One of the things that kind of goes along with what you're saying here real quick at the end, that, that Newsbomb does, Newsbomb knows that they're not going to keep any drivers if the drivers aren't happy at home. If that, if mom and the kids aren't happy at home, then he's going to look for something else to make that happen. Yeah. And I think they do a pretty good job about keeping the wives and the mothers in communication with what the driver is doing. You know, they have ways of doing that. Now, of course, with the telephones and, and things of that sort, it makes it a lot easier to do that. But we'll get, we'll get uh, letters back and notes back from wives saying how much they appreciate what you've done for their husband and, and uh, communicated with them, you know. so We've actually had wives bake cookies and bring them in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have? Yes. You have? Well, I, I don't know that I've seen that in I our have. department. <laughs> this is not a plea for more cookies, but uh, yes. you know, they're gladly accepted. <laughs> but, uh, well, Gary, Avis, thank you so much for uh, all your words of wisdom. Anything else that you would like to share before we, we wrap up? Uh, I'd just say thanks for doing this. This is neat. I've heard a few of the podcasts that you uh, have out already. And um, <laughs> why is she getting close to me? And I think it's pretty neat to hear things uh, that from people that you work with every day that you don't know their whole story. You know, I think that's kind of neat. So hopefully this one isn't too long and too boring. Well, the rest of this story is, and this is to the wives at home. When your husbands get home at night, do this. Give him a kiss. I don't care if you're upset, give him a kiss. Just, just enjoy him. They're worth it. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing to say. I, I can add nothing else to that. <laughs> Guys, thanks again so much for being here and, uh, and the time that you've put in uh, to this company for, for showing up uh, faithfully uh, and serving the drivers and uh, your, your coworkers here. Uh, we appreciate you both and, and everything that you mean here. Thanks, guys. Thanks. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. Nussbaum is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Nussbaum's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to Nussbaum.com or NussbaumJobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then, go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, terminalexchange.org.